It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello! Welcome to Something Slightly Different for New Scientist Weekly. I'm Timothy Revel. A couple of weeks ago, we held a subscriber event where we reviewed the biggest, best and funniest science and technology stories of 2023. And what is about to follow is an edited version of that. We hold events a few times a year for our subscribers. So if that's something that appeals to you, do head over to our website where you can grab yourself a subscription. New Scientist subscribers make everything that we do possible. So a huge thank you to all of them. And if you're not a subscriber yet, do please consider it. As you might have guessed, what you're going to hear next is that event. Think of it as a holiday gift from all of us on the podcast team. And it was actually so much fun that we've split it into two parts. This week's podcast highlights the funniest stories of the year and moments that made us feel like we are living in the future. So if you're a fan of physics-defying sperm, human bowling on the International Space Station, or maybe the way AI has managed to flood even science fiction itself, keep listening. What a great year 2023 has been for science and technology. This year was the year where the first medical treatment to use CRISPR gene editing got approval, just 13 years after the technique was first described. And I'm very pleased I didn't say Christmas gene editing there like I did when practicing this. It was the year where orcas said enough is enough and started rather inexplicably attacking sailboats. We'll hear more about that one later. It's a year where large language models such as ChatGPT finally got so good at writing, they can now put together opening remarks to events without words, order, getting the in wrong. No, sorry, I'm not sure who wrote that bit of my script. It was the year where we marveled at the Pope's fashion choices when a picture of him wearing the most fantastic white puffer jacket appeared online, only to find out it was produced by an AI. The photo, that is, not the puffer jacket. We broke yet more climate records, though, of course, not in a good way. India landed on the moon. The website formerly known as Twitter got a new name. NASA's UFO task force announced its findings after months and months of looking into hundreds of cases of so-called unidentified anomalous phenomena. And it finally determined that we should use the term UAP now, not UFO. And of course, that neither UAPs nor UFOs are aliens, or at least that's what they want us to believe. And it was the year where the World Health Organization declared that COVID-19 is no longer a global health emergency, though the virus is, of course, still present. 2023 has been a bumper year for science and technology, and today we're going to serve up a festive feast of as much of it as we can. The main dish will be us discussing the biggest science or tech stories of the year. And joining me is a panel of esteemed colleagues and Christy Taylor, my weekly podcast partner in crime. So, um, Christy, I asked it. I asked you to bring along your favorite little fact that you learned this year. Did you learn anything fun? 
I totally did. Um, so, you know, beer goggles, this supposed phenomenon where people think everyone's more attractive when they are under the influence of alcohol. Science has spoken, and that is not real. It turns out that what may actually be happening is you are just getting the confidence to approach someone cute that you already thought was cute. And yes, they had to get some people drunk in order <laughs> to figure that out. That is a very fun fact. Uh, I'm wondering if you tested that yourself after learning that fact. <laughs> that will remain private information. <laughs> <laughs> so Christy and I, we're both based in New York, but we've also got two panelists across the pond in London. First up, we've got assistant news editor Sam Wong, and you might know him best from his fantastic monthly cooking column he wrote for years. But what you might not know is he is also one of our cryptic crossword setters, though under a secret alias we couldn't possibly reveal. <laughs> Hi, Sam. Hello. What was your favorite fact of 2023? My favorite fact is we found out why insects congregate around lights which um, I thought we already knew because um, mm. it's one of these questions people have, have wondered for ages and people often write into the last word. And like, one of the most popular explanations is that they, insects are using the moon to navigate. So they, they keep the moon at a constant angle. And then when they, when they go past lights, they kind of end up spiraling around the light. But it turns out that that's not true because that doesn't explain why daytime insects and non-migrating insects, they all seem to gather around lights as well. So um, some scientists at Imperial, they used a high-speed camera and a motion capture system to see what actually happens. And they found that what insects are actually doing is keeping their back to the light. So it's this thing they call the dorsal light response. So they use it to make sure that they stay the right way up. But um, yeah, they get confused by lights and they kind of end up if they're flying above it, they would flip over and then fall down. If they're going below, then they kind of do a loop the loop and then fall down. So yeah, it's a, it's a terrible dilemma for these insects. But yeah, it's amazing that we, we didn't actually know that until this year. I know quite a bad joke that is related to this. Please. Um, so it goes, uh, doctor, doctor, I think I'm a moth. And then the doctor says, well, you don't need a doctor, you need a psychologist. And then the moth says, I know, doctor, but I saw your light was on. No. <laughs> no. that's my terrible christmas cracker joke for the day um, <laughs> all right and then also in london we have health reporter claire wilson and you've heard Hi. her many times as a regular on our weekly podcast if you're not already you should also subscribe to her fantastic health check newsletter which is all about the latest health news hi claire you welcome should. did you learn anything fun this year claire Yes, I have a f um, favourite fact from the year. It is quite medical, I'm afraid, but then I am the medical reporter, so mm. what did you expect asking me on the show? <laughs> um, my interesting fact is that this year we discovered a new part of the brain. So it's a new anatomical structure inside the head that we didn't know about. And I find that quite mind-boggling that, you know, we're still discovering new parts of our anatomy. I'm afraid it's got a horrible name. It's the subarachnoid lymphatic-like membrane. And it's kind of a membrane that shrink wraps your brain. The function of it is not to kind of hold it in place. It's actually part of another really cool system called the glymphatic system. And this is actually the brain's waste disposal system. And we're only really finding out about all its parts now because we only discovered the brain had a waste disposal system about 10 years ago, which is again, relatively recent. You can think of it as kind of like the brain's toilet. It's all its waste products get flushed away down this system. Um, That's where Im's jokes go uh, after he's told <laughs> <laughs> They should go. 
But I just think it's amazing that we're still discovering new anatomical structures, even in 2023, when we've got the technology to visualize, you know, tiny little structures within cells. We can even visualize DNA. But yeah, there's still a lot of cool things inside the body to find too. That is amazing. All right, our final panelist is dialing in from Chicago. Leah Crane is our space reporter extraordinaire. She's a founding member of Dead Planet Society, a podcast all about creative ways to tinker with the universe. And she too writes a brilliant newsletter, this one called Launchpad. Hi, Leah. Hello. So Leah, you know the score. Hit us with a fun fact. <laughs> uh, my fun fact for this year is that black holes, in theory, could travel up to 10% the speed of light. Whoa. To put that in context, wow. you've never seen anything travel at 10% the speed of light. <laughs> but you wouldn't see a black hole traveling at 10% of the speed of light, surely? Fair point. You wouldn't uh, until it <laughs> hit you. It's unsure whether that actually happens in the universe, but in theory, they could, when two black holes are sma like about to smash together, get hurled off at really, really incredible speeds. Oh, so like a sort of slingshot firing of one black hole across the universe. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. Is okay, there well, a record I'm... they would beat if uh, if they were doing this? Like, is, is there another thing that's going at like 9% the speed of light at this moment? <laughs> Not that I can think of. It would be faster than almost anything. There's, I think the fastest star we know of in our galaxy is moving at about 7% the speed of light. Wow. Right. That's really incredible. My fun fact that we learned this year is that your hands are heavier than you think. And when I learned this, it just, you know, it's been weighing on my mind and my hands. <laughs> and they did this little study of, yeah, is that part of the brain again, providing the joke? Um, <laughs> where they did this study where they asked people to estimate how heavy their hands are, and people consistently estimate they're about half as heavy as they actually are, which just very odd that. And how heavy are they actually? Uh, I'm afraid that is not information I am. And how did they how did they find it out? Did they, you know, did they have to cut people's hands off to <laughs> I'm sure it involved displacing water by well, that's my guess anyway. They had no, to but that would be volume of things. And then they had to compare them to how heavy they thought their hands were. And that's where they consistently underestimated. We were dealing with numbers in the like one kilogram to two kilogram range, but I don't remember the exact that is heavier than i think my hands are though <laughs> if you're looking for a change of pace something somber and even beautiful we've got a special musical guest waiting for you in this week's culture lab writer arwa Hader interviewed the scottish composer erland cooper who is known for his experimental playful projects that are both musical and political in nature his new album is an exploration of climate change that literally changes in temperature as the music continues. We hear from him about the process of bringing music and the environment into conversation with each other. And coming up next week on Culture Lab, we'll have a few wonderful suggestions for your reading list. Culture editor Alison Flood and Christy talk through some of the best books of 2023, from escapist novels to sobering and joyful non-fiction. Pod by Laline Paul, which is a crazy sounding book when you say the premise, it's narrated by a dolphin. What? <laughs> but the way that it makes you think about our polluted ocean is so visceral and so much when I finished it, I was on the tube coming home and I was just I was just in floods of tears. That's coming up this Tuesday. Happy Boxing Day in advance. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, let's get underway properly. So we're going to do a bunch of questions today, all culminating in the big one at the end of the show, which is what is the biggest science or technology story of the year. But first up, I was hoping we could tackle the old chestnut. What is the funniest thing you learned this year? Leia, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. Uh, So I did an interview with astronaut Christina Koch this year, and she is absolutely wonderful. And one of the things that I asked her was, what is the hardest you've laughed in space? Because astronauts work a lot. Great question. They only have a little bit of, of fun time. And she told me, no hesitation, human bowling. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what is human bowling? It's when a bunch of astronauts just float in space like the pins in bowling. <laughs> and then one person gets into a cannonball and either gets thrown or pushes off a wall and tries to hit the other people. <laughs> is this NASA sanctioned fun? Is this in the guidebook of things to pass the time whilst you're on the space station? Gosh, I hope so, because I'm telling everyone about it. <laughs> um, she also said human surfing, which is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> is, I don't is know that what, what that sounds like, like, though. Like, Oh, it's one person just standing on top of another person. Okay. Flying through the space station. All right, Sam, what was the funniest thing you learned this year? Back in January, um, our tech reporter, Matthew Sparks, revealed that two UK water companies, Thames Water and Seven Trent Water, are still using dowsing rods to find leaks. Uh, so very, very, if anyone's unfamiliar with dowsing, it's this yeah. uh, amazing technology where um, <laughs> you pulled out two sticks that can like, swing from side to side and the sticks are meant to cross over when they're above water. So there's just one small problem with this technique, which is that it doesn't work or at least it doesn't work in um, double-blind scientific conditions. But when when people know where the water is, it might work through something called the ideomotor effect, which is like um, unconscious muscle movements, basically. That's that's kind of the same reason why uh, Ouija boards might work. So, uh, yes, it's. I thought it was quite funny that uh, the water companies are basically using witchcraft to try and find leaks. But, yeah, the water companies will have the last laugh because they take our money every month uh, and pay billions to their shareholders while people are literally swimming in shit in our rivers. And our <laughs> it yeah, all feels, I... not to be insulting, very British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like old-fashioned shit here. That's, uh... <laughs> the utilities are dowsing? Dowsing, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Christy, what did yeah. you learn that was funny this year? So this comes from, technically it's from last year. That's when the paper was published. But... I learned that there are people working on robotics who are actually looking at using dead spiders as uh, robotic components. So they call this field necrobotics, as one might 
expect, which is also my new favorite word that I learned this year. But basically, some scientists who work in robotics noticed a dead spider in their lab one day many years ago. And they noticed that, like, you know, its legs are all curled up like this. And they were like, why do spiders always do that? when they die um mm. and they went investigating sort of the biomechanics of spider legs and they learned they don't really have like muscles the way we do they just have some muscles that basically use force to create hydraulic pressure in their legs and when they die they sort of just lose the ability to put pressure into the leg and that's why they curl up mm. and then they were like as you do what if we use this as the claw in a claw machine but like a really tiny claw machine you know, by like pumping like water through it so, or, or puffs of air so that you're like creating the hydraulic pressure mm. again and, and sort of moderating that. And that's what they did. And they won an Ig Nobel Award for that this year. But the the thing that I love about this that I think is hilarious is not only are we like using dead insects in a claw machine and they work really well, you know, something like they're very strong. Spiders are strong. Insects are strong. They can hold up, up to 130% of their body weight. But there might be an actual proper use for this. Like, tiny microelectronics for like capturing insects in field research because nobody's freaked mm. out by the dead spider uh, <laughs> next to the science equipment or something like that. So they, they might like make little say robots. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. Maybe not bugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just a dead spider. Nothing creepy here. Yeah. So often the like mad scientist stereotype is unwarranted. But in this case <laughs> It Frankenstein. Feels, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like maybe some of these people have a little too much time on their hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I've got one for you as well that really made me laugh. And it's fair to say a lot of our readers enjoyed this one as well as it was one of our most popular stories this year. And I laughed when commissioning it and I laughed when the, the copy came in too. And this one is that sperm were caught breaking Newton's third law of motion, which... <laughs> as headlines go, it's pretty good. So you might remember that uh, Newton's third law is that one that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And that normally means that if you sort of push something, it feels like it pushes you back. But with sperm, they have this thing called flagella. And in it, instead of getting a usual sort of equal and opposite reaction from the water, these flagella, as they swim, seem to be able to move in a motion where they don't lose energy to their surroundings. And that violates Newton's third law. And this property is called odd elasticity. And obviously, this was a very serious story about biomechanics and physics and fluid mechanics. But I think probably the reason it was the most popular, one of our most popular stories this year was because it was about sperm doing silly things. And that <laughs> made me laugh. But with lots of things have flagella. It's not just sperm, but we know so very little about how this actually works, what the mechanism is behind it. So it's one of those stories where it's it's quite silly on first reading. And then suddenly it's like this potentially new area of research that there's much more to learn about. I would put money on it not turning out to break news. <laughs> oh, you're such a cynic, Leia. <laughs> Just a little bit. That law tends to hold up. Yeah, you Newtonian. Tell, tell that to <laughs> Einstein. Have they made any uh, sperm robots yet? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, they've certainly made robots that move using that same sort of sperm-like swimming motion, but they often call them eel robots. I don't know whether it's exactly the same. All right, let's move off sperm before we get into strange territory. Claire, what was the funniest thing you learned this year? Well, mine takes us back to um, poo, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> we'd left that. Um, but poo this, all the way again, down. I, you know, I always love a medical angle. So um, I discovered this year that six doctors had 
done a very important investigation. They wanted to find out, well, they, they wanted to help uh, the parents. They, they tend to see a lot of parents bringing in their children to emergency rooms because their babies or toddlers have swallowed a small toy, very often mm. a piece of Lego. So for science, they experimented on themselves. They all swallowed a small Lego minifigure head and then they wanted to know how long it would take to pass through their bodies. So they did the thing they had to do, which was inspect everything that exited their bodies for a few days until they finally found the head. And they yeah. could report and they, they actually had a paper published in a peer reviewed journal charting the length of time. And so just so you know, they discovered that it takes approximately between 1.5 and 3 days for a small Lego head to move through the body from the top down to the bottom Completely so now we, now we know and now they also come. wanted to reassure parents in future where who they come in uh, they wanted to be able to say look often parents are advised that you have to kind of dig through the nappies to try and find the, the piece but they wanted to reassure parents that you probably don't have to do that if it's just a very small piece of lego it's going to work its way out the exception i must say is um batteries so if your child ever swallows a battery that's really dangerous and you do have to take them to hospital but a small lego head two or three days and you'll be good i assume that they did find all the lego heads or did um, any go missing that's a really good question because of the six doctors um one poor doctor a male doctor he did have problems and he had to just keep wading through his own poo for days and days. And after two weeks, they finally gave him permission to give up. The assumption is it did come out. He didn't find it. But for all we know, it could still be in there. So this isn't re very reassuring, is it? Like, it's probably going to come out again, but maybe it'll just stay in there forever. <laughs> I mean, they're doctors and they want to rewrite the kind of emergency room guidelines to tell parents you don't need to go digging through it chill out if it's just a small piece of lego so i'm going to take their word for it more more uses for lego every day I mean. <laughs> all right i feel like we're moving on to question two now <laughs> so question two is all about the sort of living in the future moment those moments where suddenly something that had seemed impossible before suddenly became possible so, Sam, could you kick us off for this one? What was your living in the future moment? Yeah, so um, obviously the the rapid advancement of AI has been a huge story this year mm. and uh, ChatGPT has moved into many aspects of life, people using it in all kinds of uh, contexts, some of them helpful and some a bit more dubious. In February, uh, the sci-fi magazine Clark's World temporarily stopped accepting story submissions because they were deluged by AI-generated stories. They mm. got something like 500 in 20 days. So the issue here is, is not that AI can write fiction and this is bad for human writers. Maybe that day will come. But the, um, the Clark's World editor, Neil Clark, said that the machine-written submissions were very bad and easy to identify. <laughs> it's just that they had too many to process. And it turned out that most of the submissions were coming from people who'd seen these kind of scammy blogs and videos and social media posts saying you can make money quick by using ChatGPT to write stories and then get them published. So actually, this is kind of a sinister um, example of the way that AI tools can be misused for um, malevolent or fraudulent purposes. And Neil Clark said, um, you know, it's not just the scammers that I hold responsible. It's the executives and the investors who are rushing these applications out the door for free with insufficient guardrails and precautions. So, yeah, that's a, 
the dark side of the the AI uh, boom that we've seen. All right, Claire, what was your living in the future moment? Yeah, I'm going with a medical story again. <laughs> yeah, know, you always know what you're getting with me. Um, <laughs> I've been writing, I've, I feel like I've spent most of 2023 writing about the weight loss injections, things like Ozempic, Wegovy. Now there's a new kind of drug uh, that's just recently been approved called um, Manjaro or Zepbound. It might seem like an odd thing to focus on, but I've been covering weight loss medicines for many, many years, and they've all just been rubbish. And doctors at medical conferences just often spend time, just have spent time wringing their hands saying how rubbish they are. And how sometimes obesity doctors have said, have admitted how sad they are that in their clinics, people will come in, they try to help them. And sometimes they might succeed in losing weight for even a few years, but they usually always put it back on again. The one exception has been weight loss surgery, which can be very effective, but obviously that's a very big step. And now finally, in the past just a couple of years, we've now got these really effective drugs on the horizon. Some people are actually using them. Sure, there are still access problems in people getting them because they're very expensive, but it is thought that in time, price will come down and the manufacturing problems will ease. So um, it's controversial because some people Mm. think, oh, we shouldn't have these kind of medicines. People should just, you know, do it the hard way. But people have been trying to lose weight the hard way by changing their diet for years and years and years. And yet obesity rates are climbing up and up and up. So I I actually see this as quite a good news story. To me, it does feel like we're living in the future because now we do have effective weight loss treatments. Yeah, it does feel very futuristic. Leia, what was your living in the future moment? Well, writing about space flight, pretty much all of them. Uh, (laughs) I always get particularly excited when there's a new space telescope launch, Mm. just because there aren't that many of them. And they're so important. They provide so much data. You know, everyone's heard of the Hubble Space Telescope. Everyone's seen a Hubble Space Telescope image. Now we have JWST. And this year, the Euclid Space Telescope launched, which is going to provide this really detailed map of the whole sky. And it's going to really move a lot of different stuff forward. But more importantly, for me, it's just every time we have a giant space telescope, it completely revolutionizes an entire Mm. field of astronomy. And I think that Mm. that's going to do the same, even though it wasn't as necessarily publicized as something like JWST. Yeah, and we've we've already seen some pictures coming back from Euclid, right? Yeah, we have, and they're gorgeous and incredibly detailed. So I'm really excited to see more next year. Yeah, I know, like they're the real scientific benefits, but I'm also just a sucker for the shiny, pretty space things as well. Oh, I love a shiny space picture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christy, what was your living in the future moment? All right, so bear with me because it sounds really technical, and it actually <laughs> really is. But uh, this is a synthetic biology advance. So synthetic biology is when it's like, what if we created life from scratch? Uh, You know, we made DNA in a lab and then we like made, you know, a creature. Sounds scary and Frankenstein-y, but in this case, it's really just about a yeast. What if we could build a yeast where all of its DNA and chromosomes had been sort of manufactured in a lab? And we are halfway through that, which again, sounds technical and like not actually that cool, but a yeast has 16 chromosomes and we've managed to make a yeast where half of those, so eight of those were like built in a lab. And we actually have done all 16 chromosomes as synthetic chromosomes. It's just a matter of like shoving it all into the same organism and then troubleshooting problems that may come along um, as you 
realize you maybe left out something important from the DNA that you didn't think was important, for example. But what's really cool about this is that we already use yeast to manufacture a lot of compounds we like, beer, insulin, and cannabinoids, uh, THC, it turns out. Uh, (laughs) So being able to sort of fine tune a yeast cell that can make chemicals we want it to make in a way that is maybe more controllable by us than just uh, let's edit a wild yeast is an exciting prospect. Um, It's also teaching us a lot about how complex cells work. And the thing that blew my mind the most was when Michael LePage, who reported on this story, was like, yeah, they're working on a synthetic mouse next. You know, not like we're not going from yeast to like (laughs) mosquito, but yeast to mouse, which is a really sort of incredible thing to wrap your head around. That's it for this week. We'll pick up where we left off next week with some of the feel-good stories of 2023, wonders from the animal kingdom, and the Oscar goes to the best stories and Tim's worst joke of the year. That that last one is a matter of dispute. <laughs> In the meantime, if you like the great stories we're bringing you, please give us a rating or review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We love talking about this stuff and we love hearing your thoughts about it too. We'll be back next week, but that's bye for now. Bye. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.